The following presentation was recorded at the Buddhist Society of Victoria, Malvern East, Australia. Please visit our website at bsv.net.au. Oh, good evening to everyone who is uh, listening to this um, live stream from the Buddhist Society of Victoria. And uh, uh, this is Ajahn Nisarano, the uh, Australian Buddhist monk who's uh, been a Buddhist monk for about 22 years and uh, and uh, has been living, and I've been living in <laughs> Sri Lanka for the last 14 years. So that's myself for those who don't know me. And uh, this evening, as usual, we have a, uh, a meditation program and usually start with an introduction and then have the guided meditation. And if there are any questions, we can have or comments or complaints, we can have them at the end of the uh, after the meditation. And it's a very nice night for uh, for meditation because it's cold and wet outside, and also very nice for you to have uh, live streaming, so you don't have to come out in the cold weather, and you can uh, uh, be at home and be comfortable and uh, do the meditation from home. And in actual fact. When we close our eyes, isn't it? We are actually, um, we could be anywhere. And so in a sense, you could be here. Though I always find when we have the meditation in a group, there's a certain energy that goes with it. But nevertheless, when we close our eyes, we can be, you can be here. You can imagine yourself here if you've been here before. So this evening, as usual, I like to have a theme for the meditation and it was one that I think is relevant for all, nearly all of us, actually. I'm sure it is. And it's making peace or accepting uh, the imperfections in ourselves, others, and in life. And I think this is a, a really important um, sort of subject because we can find that um, wanting things to be perfect leads to a lot of suffering or troubles in our lives and a lot of difficulties and we we have the idea that if things are perfect we'll be happy we'll get this sort of happiness because everything will be the way we want um, but is that true we can ask ourselves is that true do we have to wait to get everything perfect before we are happy and it makes me reflect that life is often what I call untidy. <laughs> it's not. It's not neat. It's not. Uh, it's, it is imperfect, and in a sense, it is unsatisfactory. You know, it's not the way we would want it to be, or we expect it to be. And I, I think very much at this time with the uh, COVID nineteen um, outbreak, it's it's a big teaching about this really that. We have to deal with life not as we wish it to be or want it to be, but as it is now. And interestingly enough, many meditators I've heard, I've spoken to, have actually found it to be an opportunity for their uh, meditation, for their understanding of, of Dhamma, the Buddha's teachings. So in fact, it, it, may, it may in some ways be a blessing for some people. And... The imperfections that we see in life, it, it includes includes all aspects of our lives, really, our bodies, 
you know, they may not be the way we would like them to be. They may not work the way we wish them to, to work. But I always think of people whose, you know, bodies are in an incredibly uh, bad condition, you know, and I think of um, uh, Ajahn Vayama. She's the She was the founder of the nuns monastery in Western Australia, Ajahn Vayama. And she has this medical condition, MSA, I think they call it, multiple system atrophy, it just means everything's breaking down due to the um, the areas in the brain. And she can't walk and she can't talk um, and uh, most things she can't do. But when I visit her, uh, which is every year or so, I, I, when I come to Perth, go to Perth, I see her, she's very happy. <laughs> and I think, my goodness, that's really... A very imperfect body, and and yet she is able to uh, come to terms with it. And of course, our imperfection, imperfection, the mind is imperfect as well. Our minds are imperfect, and others will always be imperfect. Um, and situations in life will never quite be the way we want them to be. So, one of the translations I have for the the term, the Buddhist term, we have a famous Buddhist term, dukkha, dukkha, and dukkha is usually translated as suffering, isn't it? Um, but it can also be translated as unsatisfactoriness. That's a, not getting what you want, which is the first noble truth of suffering. Um, but in a, in the in the same in that vein, it can be also the imperfection of life that it's never perfect, never quite the way we want it to be, or if it is, only for a very brief time. So that this is another translation in my mind that's very very uh, useful. I quite like it actually. Imperfection um, is is like a characteristic of. Of all ex all uh, all existence, you could say. And you, you, what what is the cause of uh, imperfection and that we find in the world, in ourselves, in our bodies? I think someone's knocking. <laughs> uh, um, it's the main cause for the whole of uh, the. Uh, unsatisfactoriness, the imperfections in life, is due to impermanence. This is uh, some a change or that quality that nothing lasts. It's uh, the Buddhist term, anicca. And because things are always changing, they don't remain stable for very long. It is not possible to to get something perfect to make it stay perfect it will change and we see that in life so this change is part and parcel of existence and we can a very good example of that is a very good example of that is relationships isn't it when uh, people start out a relationship they often think their partner is perfect. But after some time, that opinion changes. And sometimes it's incredible that it can become completely the opposite. And then uh, the relationship will fall apart. So that's one of the, the main reasons that uh, we find imperfection in life is because of this impermanence. Um, because nothing lasts, there cannot be 
uh, um, a permanent happiness. That's a, that's a perfection in many people's minds. This permanent happiness that's always in the future, and nor can there be a permanent uh, me uh, or mine. These things are all temporary. They're all changing. Um, all the time. The other aspect of why there is imperfection is, of course, due to expectations. And this is the main thing, the expectations of ourselves, um, others and situations. And, uh, and of course, when you can ask, we can ask ourselves, what, what we think is perfect, uh, is what we think is perfect causing us, causing the problem? And really, in many ways, it is because we have this idea: it will be perfect. I'll be happy when this is, uh, the situation is like this. And we can ask ourselves: How do we feel? We want uh, want ourselves to be perfect, or others to be perfect, or situations in our lives to be perfect? How does it feel? Um, and I know, <laughs> I know for myself that's a, it's. A, it doesn't feel so good, really, because you, you realize that it's probably not going to be the case. Um, is what we think perfect really the case? What is what is perfection? And, and uh, is it just an idea um, that we're trying to place, trying to overlay on reality? So these expectations of ourselves, others, and situations. And... Often you see, you can see this sort of idea, uh, these expectations, particularly in terms of, for many people, the body. I call this the container. The mind I call the contents, but the body. We, people are very, you know, concerned. They've got lots of expectations um, that, you know, things will be perfect when I'm the right weight, whatever the right weight is. Or, you know, the, the way I look is the way I want to look. And so much of that, of course, is determined by um, what others think is perfection, what magazines, what the media, all these things say is perfection. And also, you know, we, uh, we, we have expectations for how our bodies work and we may not uh, find that the, our bodies can do those things. And this is particularly the case when we get older. And we can also be um, expect have expectations about our minds being, you know, we should be cleverer and we should be happier and we should be funnier or more assertive, whatever. And, of course, other people's. We have expectations about other people and we want want them to we want to change them as a result and improve them <laughs> isn't that amazing and situations in life like our work and uh, our social life you know we have expectations of how we should be treated and um what we are due you know in terms of our salaries and our position and when we have all these expectations it can make us very critical of the shortcomings of ourselves and others and the situations we find ourselves in. And be, when when people and things don't live up, when we don't live up to our expectations, we can be very disappointed. And of course, this is really, as I say, perf perfection is really, uh, or expectation in particular, is expecting what the world can't give. The world is as it is. 
And I know the lovely quote that the Buddha um, made about however we think it will be, it will always be different. And that's really very helpful because we can allow us to let go of how we think we should be, how we think others should be, um, how our bodies and minds should be, and accept that they are as they are. And uh, so expectation, as I mentioned before, is another word for dukkha, but it's also a word for wanting, and it's a, a great, great hindrance in meditation. When we expect the meditation to be <laughs> maybe perfect, I'd, you know, to be very peaceful, very deep, and uh, a lot of insight or wisdom arising. The other area that is is related, of course, is judging because this idea of perfect and imperfect, it just relies on this judgment, this judging of ourselves, others, uh, of situations. And as I say, those judgments are so affected by what others say, what the media says, um, what advertising says. So we can judge ourselves and others. And it fails, doesn't it? It fails to recognize that we're all different. And although we have a lot in common, um, we are, in a sense, unique combinations of factors, <laughs> the way we are. And uh, so therefore there's no basis for judging and comparing because we're very different. And that ties in very much with a quotation I like from Ajahn Chah. And uh, it's from a book called a tree in the forest, and it's uh, the crooked tree. <laughs> and it says, the essence of our practice is to watch intention and examine the mind. You must have wisdom. Don't discriminate. Don't get upset with others if they are different. Would you get upset at a small and crooked tree in the forest for not being tall and straight like some of the others? That would be silly. Don't judge other people. There are all varieties. No need to carry the burden of wishing to change them all. If you want to change anything, change your ignorance to wisdom. That's a lovely quote um, about, you know, the accepting the difference, the variety in life. And that's one thing from living in the forests in Sri Lanka for 14 years uh, for eight years actually in a cave, but 14 years in total in Sri Lanka. As you see, these forests are all, there's so many different trees and they're in so many different shapes and lots of broken branches and all sorts of things. They're not that image of, a, a, of like a park or a perfection. <laughs> they're not very tidy at all. But they're perfect in that way, actually. They have a certain perfection. And we may think, well, why are we and everyone the same? Or why are we the way we are now? And everyone's the same, actually. And of course, this is accepting the fact that we are all uh, the way we are because of our, the way we've acted, the way we speak, but most particularly the way we think. It really shapes um, our experience of life and the, how we uh, regard ourselves, how we regard others, uh, and in life as well. And we're shaped, this is, of course, karma, 
And the Buddha um, mentions uh, that uh, in the reflection on karma, that we're the owners of our actions of body, speech, and mind. We're the heirs of our actions, born of our actions, and our actions are like our relatives. Our actions are our shelter, yes. Whatever actions we shall do, whether for good or bad, we will be the heirs. But, of course, when we uh, reflect on karma, it's not a, a destiny we can change. Well, how, how can we change? In the present moment, we're creating the conditions for the future. And we can change the way we act, speak, and particularly think. And also, so many things have conditioned us um, from from our early days with our parents, our teachers, um, our spiritual beliefs, religion, friends, society that we live in, the time we live in, and the media. And so how can we accept uh, imperfection? And this is just to give us the, the means to be able to make peace or accept imperfection. And one of the ways that I find useful is to reflect that it is natural. Uh, imperfection is natural. It's the, it's the reality of the present, of the moment, the present moment. It's the way it is. And when we make peace with experience, then we can accept things as they are, allow them to be different from what we expect and to be open uh, to things being different. And in a sense, it's like having a respect too for the differences and diversity between um, people, ourselves and others. So we'll find in the meditation we'll be uh, focusing on making peace with the moment um, because the present moment has arrived, it's here and however it is, this is the present moment, it can't be changed at that moment. Later, yes, of course. So we can make peace with it. And uh, we can accept, we can make peace with ourselves too and our own imperfections by being kind and gentle. And with other people's, uh, making peace with other people's imp imperfections is just that respect for their differences between people. So it's this understanding that allows us to accept ourselves and others in life, understanding that we're all different and respecting that. And it reminded me of a sign I saw yeah, near this Buddhist center in East Morven, which said, outside a shop, <laughs> and it said, imperfection is beautiful. And uh, I thought, well, I wonder how many people would shop there in that case. <laughs> and we think, oh goodness. Things must be pretty bad in the, in the shop, but this is actually true in a sense, you know, that because the, the way reality is is at the moment, it is a beautiful. It is as it, it could not be any other way, and that reminds me of uh, a American teacher, Byron Katie, who says that the the present is perfect, no, no matter how, no matter how wonderful it is or how awful it is, whether we've our relationships just broken up or we are sick, or whatever. That's very challenging, I find, but in the sense that the present moment couldn't be any other way, it's quite true. Um, and then when we, we can make peace with it, 
um, with the present moment accepted. And I'd like to end with uh, just a brief story of uh, from Ajahn Brahm's book, actually, Opening the Door of Your Heart. And it's a story about a Zen monk, a uh, young Zen monk, who had the daily duty of sweeping the Zen garden, these beautiful gardens with lots of pebbles and large rocks in them, and, and uh, they look very, very beautiful. And he would have the job of sweeping them, and he'd sweep all the leaves up, and he'd do the raking, so it was all this beautiful uh, design and whatnot. And, but then he'd come back a little bit later and there'd be leaves everywhere. He couldn't believe it. You know, he was, he thought, my goodness, I've been sweeping it. And, uh, you know, he was a bit upset with the, the fact that it was so imperfect after he had done all that work. Then one day he, came, he, he actually came back a little bit earlier and he saw his master was actually throwing, strewing these leaves all over the garden. <laughs> and it was, it was a teaching for him that this is natural, that the leaves, that leaves will fall are natural. And in a sense, it's a quite a beautiful thing. Um, and the garden may not be as, youth, as he thought, the young monk thought it should be, but that's how it was. Yeah, that was in the moment. And that shows how often uh, we when we want things to perfect, be, be perfect, how we're trying to put an idea, impose an idea on reality. And you see that when people have, have these gardens with all the trees in line and all this, this idea. And people will think that's, that's beautiful. But a forest is not like that. So I'd like to just finish there. And um, that's just the preamble or the introduction for the meditation. And now we can have about 45 minutes of the guided meditation. So if you'd like to find uh, somewhere that you're comfortable sitting, um, can be on a chair, it can be on the cushion, on the ground, just as, as uh, you find to be comfortable. And a, a position that you can maintain for 45 minutes without having to... Uh, make movements, make changes. And so the first thing, of course, we do is come into the present moment and just leave the past and the future behind. And there's nothing that we have to do now. And for this time, it's only a short time, and there's nowhere we need to go. And it's a wonderful night to be inside cold rainy night, to come inside the mind, to come into the present. And we can let go or let be all the thoughts, all the descriptions, all the labels, and just bring and not and get not get involved with them. Just come to the present moment with a fresh mind, a mind that's not commenting on everything. And we can just feel how the body is and we can, first of all, have a sense of it being balanced, the head over the shoulders and the shoulders over the hips. 
a sense of uh, freedom of movement, but of, of ease, not stiff, very relaxed, but balanced. So we can just see, feel how the body is and make any adjustments that we feel we need. Now we can mentally relax the body, starting at the top of the head, including the back of the head and the side of the head. Relaxing, soothing the top of the head, back of the head and the side of the head. Giving this warm mental massage. Now we can move the attention down to the forehead and relax or soothe the forehead. And then move to the area around the eyes, really soothing, massaging, relaxing that area. And moving the attention down to the cheeks and soothing them and down to the round the mouth and the chin. Relaxing, soothing, giving this warm, kind attention. Allowing them to relax. Now bringing to mind the neck, all around the neck, and giving it this warm, soothing attention.
Now bringing to mind the right shoulder starting at the neck and moving our attention along the right shoulder, relaxing it, mentally massaging the right shoulder. Now bringing to mind the right arm and taking in the right elbow, the, the wrist, the hand and the fingers. Moving our attention slowly down the right arm, all around, relaxing, soothing, giving it this warm, kind attention. Now bringing to mind the left shoulder, starting at the neck and moving the attention along the left shoulder, relaxing and soothing any tightness, any tension, allowing it to dissolve. And now bringing to mind the left arm, starting at the top of the left arm and including the elbow, the wrist, hand and fingers and slowly moving our attention down the left arm, soothing, giving it this mental massage. And now bringing to mind the back just below the shoulders and slowly moving our attention down the back, area after area, 
giving this warm, kind, soothing and relaxing attention. Now bringing to mind the front of the body, starting just below the shoulders and moving our attention to include the chest, the diaphragm, the stomach and the abdomen below it. Soothing it, relaxing any tense, tight areas, any areas that have got pre feel pressure, giving soothing them and allowing them to relax. And now bringing the right leg to mind and starting at the top of the right leg, moving our attention down the right leg all around it to include the knee, the ankle, foot and the toes of the right leg, giving it this kindness, this warmth. And now bringing to mind the left leg, starting at the top of the left leg and moving our attention down the left leg all around to include the knee, ankle, foot and toes of the left leg.
Now bringing to mind the whole body, just sitting wherever we are sitting, experiencing the whole body sitting, feeling the pressure of sitting on a cushion or the chair, whatever it is. The contact of the clothes, the temperature, all these things. And we can bring to mind the intention for this meditation to make peace with things as they are, whether they are perfect the way we want them to be or imperfect, whether they are pleasant, what we think is pleasant or unpleasant, whether we like them or not, just allowing things to be as they are now. And getting in, getting in touch with this feeling of making peace with things as they are. peace with the present moment as you find it, not trying to rearrange the present moment, improve it or fix it up, not, no need to judge the present moment, just aware of whatever we're experiencing right now and making peace with that.
And when the breath comes to our attention, you can just notice where we are most aware of the breath. Is it at the nose? Is it in the throat? In the chest? Or the stomach area? Wherever we're aware of it. And just to use this point as a reference point. So the mind has something that uh, uh, will keep it from wandering so much. Just as a reference point in a very gentle way. And as the meditation develops, we can sink in to this point in the breath, wherever we're most aware of it, and just use it as a reference point. And as we're breathing in, we can make peace, and as we breathe out, we can make peace with whatever we're experiencing being aware of that reference point and this feeling of making peace, accepting whatever is happening in the present moment, letting it be. And if the mind wanders off then we can just remember to make peace, make peace. And that will bring it back to the, the breath and to that reference point wherever we find most prominent in the breath.
And now as we're getting close to the end of the meditation, we can bring that feeling of making peace with whatever we're experiencing. Bring that to mind and to gently expand it to include everyone that's listening to this guided meditation, to include them, that they may be able to make peace with whatever they experience in life, the difficulties, the imperfections, And now we can expand this feeling of making peace from wherever we are in ever-widening circles around us. Expanding, expanding to include the whole of the earth, all the realms of existence and all beings, animals, humans, animals, insects, unseen beings, what all beings, without exception, sharing with them, radiating this feeling of making peace, soothing them. And now we can bring our attention back to ourselves and to develop or to have the intention or aspiration to remember to make peace with ourselves, how we are, how others are and how life is. And to anchor this feeling of making peace in the heart.
and we can just review the meditation just to see how, how do I feel now? Is it any different from when I began? Was I able to make peace with things as they are? And did the feelings I experienced, did they change during the meditation? And lastly, what caused these feelings that we I experienced to arise? What caused them? And now we can slowly come out of the meditation by opening our eyes slowly and moving the body to make it more comfortable. So I hope... Uh, that uh, those who are listening to this or who will listen to this were able to make peace with things as they are, able to allow things to be as they are. It's a form of letting be meditation, a form of developing acceptance. And uh, this can be very useful, especially when we um, find the things that we're experiencing in the present moment, difficult. And uh, this can be a very useful thing to develop. This ability to let things be, to accept them as they are at this moment. And knowing that this is not necessarily, have, doesn't have to be like this always. So I'd like to see if there are any questions, or just one. <laughs> so thank you, Langdon, if you've got a question. Thank you very much, Ajahn. There are two online questions. Uh, one's from Sri Lanka. Oh, yes. And the other one, I'm not sure where Shabha is. Mm. Uh, but we have another listener from India, so welcome to everyone wherever you are. Yeah. The first question, it's one for... Um, Sounds like one for scholars. The Pali words ceto vimuki, oh, which means liberation from thoughts. Mm. Can we do that while meditating? I guess can we achieve that in meditation? 
Oh, yes, yes. Cheto, can we be free of, of thoughts during meditation? For sure, for sure. This is the aim of, of a meditation, you know, really. This is, uh, uh, Cheto Vimuti is actually much, much more, um, it's, it's the mind that is, uh, Vimuti is like liberated um, temporarily, and it's the sort of mind that one uh, it can experience in samadhi states. You know, when loving kindness becomes unbounded, um, limitless, then they call that Cheta Vimuti, the, the mind of loving kindness that's become totally free, you know, and unbounded. There's no, um, no, no exceptions to that state of mind. Um, so... Yes, Cheta Vimuti is a very high state. It's it's a high state that comes from developing samadhi and liberating the mind from all the uh, negative qualities. And when the mind is like that, it will go into jhana very easily, these deep meditations. And the being free of thinking it can happen much, much earlier than that in meditation. You know, you uh, that can uh, that can occur much, much earlier. But of course, in these deep meditations, the dhyanas, the thinking is not operating. It's gone there, and the mind, especially in the second jhana, won't be moving at all. But thinking, even in you know, in our daily life, sometimes we can have experiences. Uh, um, where the mind will just stop thinking, it's quite it's quite impressive. Uh, particularly when we we're meditating, we see that that the, there isn't thinking happening. We're aware of it, but there's nothing there. You know, there's no thoughts coming and going. So this is something that really, uh, to be honest, when the meditation takes off, when the thinking subsides, when we <laughs> when we um, let go of our fascination with the contents of think thought. You know, when we, we're listening to the story, we stop listening to the stories and we start seeing them as being like conversations we're overhearing, not that interesting really. And of course, very conditioned by what we've been focusing on during the day prior to that meditation. So really, I, I'd say, you know, yes, yes, meditation is aimed at letting go of the thinking, because thought is always in the past. It's always a description of what's just happened. It's not the present, and it doesn't have that freshness, that uh, flexibility of the present, the awareness in the present moment. Um, I know for many people they think that if you're not thinking, how can you be aware? But in actual fact, for a meditator, they are aware that thinking is one thing, but awareness is quite separate. We can be aware of thinking, we can be aware there's no thinking, and we're, we're perfectly uh, mindful, we're, we're perfectly aware. So yes, no, it is possible. Chaito Vimuti is, is that boundless state of the mind, and uh, when it's liberated temporarily, um, and I think even in the Dhammachaka Pawatna Sutta, when the Buddha became enlightened, he talks of the mind being Chetavimuti, you know, but unshakably, you know. So 
this this is you know possible <laughs> and in fact you know when people have that experience that <laughs> there is no thinking it's it's like they've been you know in a very noisy place and suddenly all the noise is gone it's really silent and it's the contrast is so obvious and so pleasant really um and and that's an experience that i think um gives meditators a lot of encouragement when they get experience, have experiences like that and see that awareness is so so much clearer when it's not taken up with with all the interference of thinking <laughs> you know so um the, i hope that answers the question about chaito vimuti yeah liberation of the mind and the last question ajahn uh, this person has sneakily snuck in uh, four questions in one actually oh four in one them. four in one dear ajahn uh, does that mean does that mean? i think that means the topic of just Imp- being at peace with the present moment yeah, does that mean we should not troubleshoot our meditation oh is right. it enough to be patient and let it happen without measuring progress then how does a change occur how to set causes right yes when we uh, make peace with i think uh, first part of it is so uh, does that mean we should not troubleshoot 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 to work out what's going on going right yes yes troubleshooting yes well the, the i th- i think that the problem with troubleshooting is of course you know that we it disturbs the meditation it's sort of like critiquing it but after the meditation there's no problem to look back and and reflect on how it was like we did at the end of that meditation no problem at all and more uh, i would think to see what worked for the in the meditation that's that's how i tend to to um look back on the meditation um because if we do troubleshooting as we're going through the meditation this is a critical mind really this is a measuring mind and that mind you know it won't become limitless like we're talking about chaitavimuti it won't become content it will always have that element of negative energy of um you know being critical or looking for the faults um you know when we develop loving kindness meditation uh, or friendliness meditation we're looking at all the what's right all the good things um so it's i think you know it's 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 troubleshooting is fine at the end of the the meditation but more to look at it in a positive sense of what worked what went well you know um you can look at what didn't work but then ask what would work better than that you know because that's that's going to be the case you know some people may find uh, making peace doesn't work for them for me it does because you i think of that saying make peace um not war i think it used to be make peace not war or i think john lennon used to say to end the war you know this is in ourselves and uh, so um you know that uh, that that uh, aspect of troubleshooting maybe during the meditation or derail the meditation for sure it will um 
Uh, maybe you can be aware or make peace <laughs> with the trouble shooting mind <laughs> that's occurring at that time and allow it to settle down. Because meditation is really about, you know, developing this contentment in the present moment, being, uh, to bring this uh, stability to the mind, bring some steadiness to the mind, so that then it's got strength for looking at, uh, um, looking deeply into our lives, looking deeply into Dhamma. So, so the next one was, that was troubleshooting, and the next is, I think that sort of more or less covers the, the all the questions. It just finishes with, how does a change occur if we're not measuring the progress? Mm-hmm. Oh dear! If you if Ajahn Brahm hears that word measuring, he's really he's really off and running, because you know that that sort of comparing mind won't help us to to bring the mind to uh, one pointedness, because we've always got something else we're comparing it to. And so, of course, you know that 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 will derail the meditation too, because it's a it's a form, isn't it, of expectation? When we, uh, as I mentioned, um, when we're talking about imperfection, how it's it's supported by judging. Judging is another word for measuring, <laughs> and um, you know that we can't accept imperfection because we're judging that's not right. You know, it could it could be better. And all those things, and the mind that is judging and comparing and all these sorts of things is a long way from peace, a long way from steadiness and stability. Afterwards, yes, can look back and see how the meditation was. and But I think better to think, well, what worked? What worked? And how can I build on that? Um, the the thing is that our judging minds, our, our troubleshooting minds, we're sort of habituated to those. That's a habit we develop in the mind, you know, that we use in our our work. Perhaps you perhaps use it in our work. Students use it for their when they're studying, when they're writing assignments, that sort of thing. And it's very much what education um uh, develops in us, conditions us, you know, to see what's what's uh, missing, what could be better, and uh, this sort of judging mind, this sort of measuring mind, troubleshooting mind, um, has its uses for sure, but it has its limitations too. And in meditation, it will t- it'll tend to derail the meditation because the meditation relies on reducing the five hindrances. And one of those hindrances, which is where troubleshooting, judging, comparing, um, measuring comes from, is to a certain extent is coming from the negativity of aversion. Things are not the way I want them to be. Um, You know, how can I control, manipulate things so that they can um, be the way I want and of course, this is a second noble truth, you know, of suffering. This is what causes the problem, trying to control, wanting things to be other than they are at this present moment. Um, so this is what I would say, you know, these these qualities. Um, you can use them after the meditation, yeah, they can, um, but more in a, a more positive sense of what would really support, what would help, what worked, you know. 
um, rather than what didn't work <laughs> and, and a critique. I think that uh, is not so useful, especially during the meditation. And you'll see the the effect it has on the mind anyway. And so very often too, when we judge, when we measure, uh, when we compare, what what's driving that is a sense of self, who we are. <laughs> that you know we we are we have got this. Um, we're we're looking looking on these things and judging them, or com- comparing them, or troubleshooting them. And as I say, it's a that sense of self really that um, is part of that sort of quality as well. So I hope that was uh, was useful. And, uh, Thanks, I hope Ajahn. you don't trouble sh- trouble uh, um, shoot your <laughs> meditation too much. <laughs> so thank you very much, and I hope uh, uh, those that were listening to it this evening and or who listen to it in future find that useful. Being able to make peace with things in the present moment, and as I say, it doesn't mean it has to be that way all the time. But certainly, whatever we're experiencing in the present moment has arrived. It's like this now. <laughs> and so we can, um, if we can make peace with it, that is a very useful thing to be able to do. And particularly when our, our minds can be, um, you know, uh, can be difficult. They can be out of control, running um, uh, on a particular, th- in a loop or whatever. You know, they can be repetitive thinking going on and that ability just to be able to make peace with it will allow it to settle or allow it to uh, subside so it's very useful to use to um to be able to develop this and then the meditation will become that much more peaceful stiller the mind will become more energized and then we can see more clearly so i hope uh, this will be of use to you Uh, now and in the future. Thank you for listening and uh, I think that will be it for the evening. And those who would like to, I'm going to pay respects to the Buddha, Dhamma and Sangha. You're welcome to as well. (laughs) 